Greetings from Cyberdelic Space. This is Lorenzo, and I'm your host here in Psychedelic Salon 2.0. And today, Lex and the team at Symposia are bringing to us a fascinating interview with Mary Porter, a Native American woman who has, uh, well, quite a fascinating story to tell. In fact, today's interview comes in two parts, and in the second half, Lex brings into the conversation a young military veteran who has benefited from Mary Porter's Peyote Church. So now let's join them around Mary's kitchen table. Today's show is made possible through your crowdfunded support on Patreon. Unlike other crowdfunding sites, Patreon lets you chip in a few bucks a month to help us keep the lights on. Find out more at patreon.com slash symposia. I'm Lex Pelger, and this is Symposia on the Psychedelic Salon 2.0. This week, I'm pleased to be sitting down with Mary Porter, who founded the Looking Glass Peyote Church. Uh, By the way, you'll notice that this interview obviously took place around the kitchen table. You can hear her husband. You can hear a veteran who has been with her taking the medicine. And shuffling, smokings, water runnings. And I was going to apologize for that, but you know what? I am not. Because more and more, I like these interviews being around where people feel most comfortable. And Mary laughed and said, the kitchen table is the center of our home. And so we sat there after breakfast and learned more about what brought her to founding the Looking Glass Peyote Church. Thank you. I hope you enjoy. So I was curious how you came to uh, start the church like you did. Uh, that's a really complicated question, and it's kind of long, but I'll make it short. Um, I'm a um, four-fourths American Indian. Um, I'm not enrolled anywhere. Um, I'm the illegitimate child of um, a family who the mother and fa- my mother and father were half-brother and sister, so um, because the tribes have uh, moved towards Christianity, it's not polite you know, to have someone like me around. But I had gone to my tribe and um, with my DNA and tried to get enrolled, and they denied me enrollment. And really all I wanted was my cultural identity because of my family from the Columbia River. Um, and they denied me. So I went to the Native American church um, with my DNA, and... Um, um, they recognized me as a four-fourths American Indian. And I started this church because I believe that in these times, the spiritual evolution, um, as indigenous people, we need to share our knowledge on certain aspects of life and spirituality that has been protected and guarded for thousands of years. Um the peyote church I started is more in the model of the peyote cult from thousands of years ago where we didn't um, 
look at people as the skin color or from a different tribe. If they came for the medicine, they got the medicine. Um, and, and it's a calling, and we believe it's a calling. It's, um, at, at this time, nature is asking a whole lot of us um, to do a whole lot of things that we don't understand, especially for people who are so layered in what what I call European contact. And that's one of the things that I've formed my church under, which is really a pain in the neck for a lot of people. It's a pain in the neck for the government because I formed this church under pre-European contact laws, which means they must protect everything that I believe, and everything I believe is nothing that they are. It's basically... Um, the snake is eating its tail. <laughs> um, but um, and, and in doing this, um, uh, our elders have always talked about how the Europeans lost their tribal ways because <clears throat> all Europeans were in, indigenous at one point. And to when you separate the human being from their natural environment, you get what the the European aftermath is that people don't respect nature anymore um, they don't even they don't even um, do anything natural the only thing natural they do is eat shit and piss you know and that's really not being a human being that's being a drone somewhere um, there's energy to all of us and we as human beings uh, at this time, nature has prescribed us to do something. And until human beings of all races can scratch past the crap and get back to that spark of life that started our growth in the womb, because that is natural law. Mother Nature herself prescribed that spark of life in us to come here and do a certain thing, and we are not doing it. As a species, we're the only thing on this planet that's not do what it's supposed to do. And we all have the ability to do that. Um, and this is the purpose of this church, is to help people evolve spiritually. We aren't healers. I'm not going to help you get past your crap. You're going to have to do that all your own, because I don't know what it is, only you know. Get past that crap. You know, um, learn learn to be a human being. Um, we all can be indigenous. Be part of your environment. You know, um, we all can be indigenous. Um, it, it's it's a natural occurring element in nature, and that's what we are if we are following the laws of nature. How does one prepare for taking the sacrament to get to that place? I really emphasize no alcohol. Alcohol and the sacrament, you don't mix them. It's oil and water. You're either going to drink alcohol or you're going to use the sacrament. Um, if you have um, personal issues in your own life that, you're, that you question yourself or, or you feel you have things to work on in yourself, do that. Um, do a lot of meditating. 
um, don't run to the peyote because it doesn't, you know, might not always, you know, the peyote will pick its people. And, and, and I know when someone's been called to the peyote. Um, mm. um, and they're, uh, it's, uh, I believe it's a spiritual maturity that brings people to the need of the sacrament. Hmm. How so? Um, the, the, these times right now, um, environmentally and socially, um, um, people don't have the 40 years that I've had with the peyote to learn and grow. Um, this is a crash course. Um, we're about to hit the wall. I, I believe we're beyond the 11th hour. We're like two minutes to the witching hour. Um, and, and that's the way a lot of indigenous people feel as far as environmentally and spiritually go. We're about to hit the wall. You know, we've hit this wall before. This will be, be the fourth world going down. Um, we're moving into the fifth world. That's what the elders, that's what the earth tells us. Um, we don't have time to muddle around with people's egos and for them to get ready. No, you're either ready or you're not ready. That's the thing. We There's not 40 years to hang around. There's not time for experimenting or whatever excuse you want to use to not do what nature is asking you to do, soul searching, whatever the hell you want to call it. Because people are being called to do their job. And there's intelligent people who use psychedelics and other natural medicines that they know that this is something that they are they're being called for something and they need to learn to hear nature and and we don't have 40 years like i've had to learn and that's what i'm talking about spiritual maturity are you ready are you seriously ready and don't play around about it because i'll know and so will the medicine and so will a lot of other people we don't have the time to fool around with this just above where a standing rock was protesting. No one said anything about the seven football fields of oil that just got spilled up there. No one has talked about Yellowstone has moved its entire fault line just in the last 10 days. I don't know if anyone's talked about the supervolcano in New Zealand has um, made its you know, presence known again. No one's talking about these things. Earth is telling us all something, and 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 the information is being suppressed from us. And um, we need to literally answer the call of nature. And so, how did you get to the point that you have you can administer the medicine legally under the federal and the state government? Here, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Soldiers themselves, huh? Um, well, um, one of the senators here in Oregon has worked on my husband's, um, um, VA claims and he knows a lot of history with me and Larry and, and I had applied for a federal 501c and under the pre-European contact laws and, um, I of course got denied because under pre-European contact laws, that means I don't sit down and write everything down to explain to you. And it's not my fault that they're ignorant and don't know what pre-European contact laws are because 
if you ask any indigenous person on this continent, they could tell you what pre-urban contact laws are. You know, it's not our fault they're ignorant. But um, they weren't going to take that, and they denied me. So I contacted Senator Wyden's office and um, explained to his assistant and, and, and got to explain to him what I'm talking about. And, yes, um, we... We are a federal 501c, and we formed under pre-European contact laws. And if you need to know what that means, you need to come and talk to me in person. That's what it means. It's an oral tradition. It's an it's a equal exchange of energy. We're human beings. We have energy. And what we do with each other is an exchange of energy. And by writing it all down, that's all good to have it in a record so people can go back and look at it. But it's really, really important to put your message out one-on-one, your voice to my ear. That's pre-European contact laws. It's good to have recordings and, you know, writing down of things. But the important thing to get your message across is from my mouth to your ear or from your mouth to my ear. That's the law for humans to communicate with each other and to make it meaningful. Yeah, that's the best advice for a society right now. Listen to your elders. Yeah, ask the question. You know, a lot of people have the answer, and, and this is what I keep telling a lot of people. They find out that I knew something all along. Well, why didn't you tell me? Well, because it's not polite to give the answer before the question is asked. And people need to ask the questions because there are people with answers. And without its spiritual law, we, we don't divulge anything until the right question is answered, asked. We can't. It won't make any sense. You know, there's a lot of people here to help, you know. But you got to ask the right questions in a respectful way. So what was your story before you were here uh, <laughs> at Church? Did you feel like it? <laughs> ah, I was a sergeant-at-arms uh, for uh, um, Northwest Veterans Motorcycle Association, uh, the only female that held an office for an all-combat veteran. I never served in the military, but um, I've been in uh, the 500-year resistance. Uh, I was born into uh, the 500-year uh, resistance of European contact, um, and I'm recognized by a lot of uh, combat veterans and um, Vietnam veterans. Um, I've been a uh, chaplain uh, for them for 30 some years um gun packing harley riding i built it myself a real biker uh that's what i was before can you tell me about your last bike the one you're talking about uh yes it was a very special motorcycle it belonged to a, a close friend of mine who um was killed by a drunk driver um he had been into uh, worldwide clubs, um, and it was his very first motorcycle. It was a 55 uh, panhead with a shovel head top end. Uh, it was a beautiful 
beautiful chopper. Um, a lot of men couldn't handle that bike. I'll have to send you a picture of it, but um, it was a beast. And um, uh, my husband and I uh, rebuilt it in, um, in, in our living room after I got it. I built it to specs that I had made when I was nine years old because um, my older brothers were in another, um, they were in an outlaw motorcycle club. We were all, I called us used kids. We were uh, Indian children who were fostered, and there were 13 of us that, 12 older boys from different reservations and me were being fostered by my grandmother. And um, they became Hell's Angels and um, got into trouble and went to uh, jail and opted out into the Marine Corps in Vietnam. And by the time I was uh, nine years old, they had been killed in combat. So I was kind of a messed up kid. And I had friends of theirs that, like this friend who just passed away, he was a Navy SEAL in Vietnam. Um, He was in an outlaw club in Portland. And he came and told me that you ever look for a way out and you want to come to Portland, you know, I'll look out for you and, you know. And I thought, what the hell does some white guy want to help me for? You know, I, you know, one guy, you know, <laughs> is that all? You know? Um, so I moved to Portland and, and um, um, I was real proficient with a gun as most, you know, young Indian women from the river are. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I I got to pal around with some um, real American heroes and learn um, learn from some of the best of the best Navy SEALs, um, Air Commandos, Commandos. I, I've had a gambit of people who have watched over me to um, get me to the point where I'm at. And so, what was it like to go from that life and then back to uh, finding the medicine? <laughs> I I really didn't want to do it. I've known um, at, from a very young age I was going to work in medicine somehow, and that's why um, that's why I became a biker because some people when they have these callings they suppress it with alcohol or you know a way of living. And my suppression for that calling to the medicine was turning into this crazy biker person. <clears throat> Um, I can't talk about some of the things I did because there's, you know, statute of limitations and all. <laughs> but um, I was not willing to, I wasn't willing to um, to do this. And I had went to a Sundance in McDermott, Nevada. And um, it, it was a, a real long 20-some day ceremonies and I had a four and a half hour seizure during the ceremony and um, by all all the witnesses at the ceremony um, I had a spiritual smackdown I was told what to do and by God I'm doing it Um, I sold my motorcycle I uh, uprooted my life in Portland. My husband and I um, moved out to the wilderness at all costs. I did what the medicine told me to do as soon as it told me to do it that way. <laughs> I didn't know it was like that, but okay. Much more direct message. <laughs> yeah. Huh? 
Yeah, it is something you uh, seem to hear from the plant medicines is people do them for the first time and they just wake up with green eyes and they're like, they remember nature matters. And I think I, I, I hear about that in New York with the ayahuasca scene. Somebody does it in the yoga studio for the first time because that's the easiest thing. And then they're like, okay, no, now I'm going to drive out to Connecticut for this. Now I need to be close to nature. And okay, now I'm going to fly to Peru for this because I want to be in the jungle. And some the plant does call out to people and remind us that nature's there and you hear it you know it's such a consistent message from all these different groups and circles and ways of taking the medicine it, it is and and it, i see that same message a lot but i see human beings dropping off where it's convenient for them see the plants are telling you to live that way not go there when you're it's convenient for you. Nature needs you to be that all the time, not when it's just convenient for you. They're leaving, they're dropping the message where it's convenient for them. We didn't drop the message where it was convenient for us. We were homeless for two weeks. We had a lot of money in our pockets and everything, but I mean, the for us to get where the medicine told us to get it's not always easy and if you listen to the message and follow through then you're doing what you were put here to do yeah it's the most direct message you can get hard reality it sucks you know but human beings suck worse because we don't take our proper place in nature and it's because of our actions that our environment and even the welfare of animals and even we may have already uh, gone beyond um, poison this um, planet enough to where um, human life may not be sustainable here. We may have already done that. We just don't know it yet. I mean, um, humans need to, you know, pull their head out of their ass. You know, quit being all about me. Listen to the message, the whole message, not what's just convenient. What would you, uh, something to recommend uh, for people to practice each day to try to remember? Uh, I, the first thing I would say is, uh, you know, that spark of life that started your growth in the womb. How many of you even say boo to it? It's still there. That spark of life is 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 the spirit energy of all your ancestors from the beginning of time. And if you ask that spark of life, it will help you evolve. You acknowledge it, it will acknowledge you. If you ignore it, it's going to ignore you. This is your own nature going in on itself. Natural law is telling us we have to, we have to become closer to earth to get the message. You know, um, we carry the answer to everything. I mean, you grew your eyes and your hair, and you even knew what color to make them. Who is in there telling you that? You know, we have the answer to everything, each one of us. And, and it's getting to that without our ego and without what we have expectations of what we should be viewed as by other human beings. We need to get past that. 
we need to do what we need to do here, what Earth is asking us to do, just like it asked you to grow your hair that way. And you did. We need to do just that. And you said uh, peyote is particularly good for stripping through all of that <laughs> layering and bullshitting straight to the heart of the matter without oh, yeah. no holds barred. Oh, yeah. You... Oh yeah, you, you there's you, if you've you know if you've opted to go that route um um then you can expect to have all of your layering of bullshit um stripped away and 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 this is why my husband named this church Looking Glass because it strips away everything and everyone that has been layered upon you your psyche, everything, all the way back to your first ancestor. At this dosage, it goes all the way back to your spark of life. It strips all that away. So you have access to all this information back to the beginning. How do you uh, prepare for something that deep, an experience that wide? Um, really, you need to do a whole lot of soul searching and um, um, be truthful with yourself about why it is that you want to do this. Is it, it, is it for something egotistical? Because this isn't going to make your job or whatever you do for work better. It's only going to make you better at what you already are. Everything that you are, it's not going to help your work. It's not going to help anything. It's all about nature and all about your spirituality. Nothing about your human part. This is your spirituality, your being. Um, if you're serious about, if you're serious about um, stepping up with all your ancestors, because basically that's what you do when you take the sacrament. You step up with all your ancestors and volunteer to uphold the laws that they handed you at the very beginning of time because there are laws and if you're willing to if you're willing to stand up for nature because that's what this medicine will do you 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 protect you become the protector of this medicine and the protector of this understanding and the protector of your ancestors all the way back to the beginning of time and everything that's attacked them and will attack you and your future generations to come you're you're paving a spiritual way. You know you're you're clearing up the past. You're straightening out the future. I mean, there's no downside to this really, except for a lot of discomfort. And you have an obligation, because when you make an obligation to natural law and to nature, you can't decide ten days later. Well, this is too hard. <laughs> you know. You can't do that. You, a lot of soul searching. If you feel, you know, because I know there are people out there that will hear this and they'll, they'll say, that's exactly what I was thinking. You know, this is exactly what humanity needs. And those that's how you prepare. Wow. Yeah. And thank you for preparing the way and getting this is something that's legal sacrament <laughs> under federal law. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's wild. I've heard, uh, you know, yeah, this is tax deductible. Hey, your- I feel a lot like the, you know, mouse in charge of the cheese ordeal, you know? <laughs> I mean. 
but it's you know I I I I feel it's a you know a really great step in the right direction for humanity to make this available this way, and to make indigenous knowledge that is thousands of years old available today. Yeah, only by oral tradition. That's the only way. Yeah. Um. Do you have any uh any plans for the future? You feel like sharing? We're we're building on our. We have a little twenty five acres and. Uh, um, the Wainema National Forest and and we back up to open range and two million acres. So we have, you know, we've just been here two years um, and everything that my husband and I have done so far with this church has come out of our own retirement, social security and, you know, VA compensation and, you know, and, you know, the seed money was that my treasured 55 Harley so that was the seed for this whole thing wow um so we work on that's what we've been working on and you know we get a little donations here and there but we 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 want to build a uh out, like outdoor kitchen because we have campsites and I, I'm planning on building some you know like hunter cabins and sites where people can just come and you know camp you know you don't necessarily have to do um peyote to come here you know you can come here just you know to learn you know um so we're gonna we want to put together some areas where people could camp and come and visit with some of the people who live here or you know get more information or you know learn how to get ready for you know the different medicines there's you know this cacti different cactuses and other um, psychedelic substances that um, that we use here on the property, and there's ways that people can come and prepare for that without doing it. You know, I I, I really encourage people to um, to do that, do the research, come here, find out what you know what it, what it's about first before you you know run in and run through the door and think you're going to get you know psychedelic up right away. <laughs> 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 you get to see things are you see a screaming mad Indian <laughs> but you know respectfully you know yeah. we're, we're making it open to you know um that type of thing and we're we're actually I have to say this now that I said we're open but we're actually close to the public we work on we work on um referrals say you know, people that we know in the community that, you know, we'll work on referrals. We don't advertise. This is the biggest advertising I've done. So, but we do, we are open for referrals. Yeah. And just coming out to a place of this much nature, it's, it's beautiful. It, it does change everything just to be this far away. And it's easy for us city dwellers to forget how good it is to come out. Just be away from all the noise. You know, that's a that's a drug in itself. Yeah, yeah, it is. Then natural energy. When you feel more, when you feel energy from the earth and the trees, and then you go to the city. It takes me a long time to adjust to being around people. I can't. There, the imbalance of energy is just. I can't. I from being out here, every imbalance is you know the big sore thumb to me. You know, I just 
need to avoid people. <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I am going to go to the, uh, I do go to that uh, Ashland psychedelic conference and stay for. I go the day before and stay till so the after party and whatnot. But that's really, you know, that's that's really testy for me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> always, I always know where the exits are. <laughs> What was the history of um, peyote and the contact with the European civilizations? Or what part would, uh, would it be most helpful to highlight, perhaps? Well, the plant itself, the, the plant itself stretched from Mexico all the way up into Canada. It's a spiritual plant. When we started having European contact maybe 400 years ago, the plant started receding. It's now receded down to um, um, Texas and Mexico. The plant is spiritual. It was put here for the people. It's protected itself, and now it's down to this little bit that's left, and now it's depending on some of us people to protect it. Um... The plant itself, um, the plant itself, is one of our main teachers for spirituality. It, it's the, it's how we, as human beings, can um, sit with the Creator of everything. Um, that's the history of. A peyote, for me. People have different. Like I said, the um, the oral history of it. This is what the core the the core value of uh, the peyote cult, as opposed to the Native American church, is to me. Is we go beyond the European contact. Go back to the first laws, and that is. There's nothing but us and the Creator to talk spiritually. Where other human beings, you got just other human beings to talk about spirituality. You know, it's always been a for Indigenous people. It's always been a you know. I, I went to Catholic school and I kind of looked at you know how Catholics believe in Christianity is, and I kind of twist my head a little bit. But, you know, if that's all that is recollected to the soul of some of these human beings who are Christian, there's something way deeper than all of that, I can tell you now. Your faith is something way deeper than just that. All that is is a. It's a, almost like Christianity. Kind of, kind of reminds me of a shaking, a kind of reminder of what you're supposed to be as a human being, um, not how to make money from other human beings. And it, you know, I get a little bit frustrated sometimes um, with that. But there are a lot, a lot of good, you know, in all, in all faiths.
a very friendly young veteran has been sitting listening to this interview the entire time. And we get to hear a little bit more of his story and how he got to know Mary Porter. Do you want to talk about how uh, you got involved? How, how did I get involved with the peyote? Start off, I'm a veteran and just typical American, you know, tried to make it in society and rebelled against it all my whole life and ended up being an outlaw type loner and uh, suffered with addiction from uh, alcohol and whatnot. So moved out to uh, uh, Oregon where uh, weed's legal and that was my first goal and just uh, got on the cannabis and uh, got myself sober. So, yeah, you know, I just moved out here to get out to the outdoors, uh, smoke weed, and just enjoy life, you know. I knew everything was all bullshit, so I just kind of took my health care into my own hands. And um, so with that, I've done mushrooms at a young age and stuff. I never really dabbled in psychedelics, but um, I started searching. You know, uh, I was at the skate park one day, and ran across some kid that had some acid and I had some Girl Scout that we grew and uh, uh, marijuana and I uh, traded them and that sparked the interest you know and uh, so when I was searching um, you know there's a lot of bullshit out there I listen to everyone you know I've heard everyone's take on their psychedelics and what it is and this that and the other but I know the truth you know I, I did mushrooms when I was 14 my first time uh, out in nature picked to myself and I got I got the gist right away that you know this earth is a living thing you know it's an organism it's, it's our creator you know and um I don't I didn't hear anyone talking about that until I heard an Indian woman it was uh Mary Porter and so I, I heard her on YouTube and I just listened to her over and over because it's finally someone telling the truth you know someone straight up this is what it is and because the, the what I was searching for is my spirituality you know, I didn't know it, but that's what I was searching for. There's something else, you know, I'm not in the Jesus. I've been to every religion, by the way, not not by choice, but like I said, typical American, you've been to it all. You know, I'm, uh, I got my DNA done, so I'm quarter Jewish, um, German, French, Irish, um, black. Well, I say black African, sorry. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the whole thing, but, um, you know, I've been to every religion growing up and all that. So, you know, discarded, and that's what I was searching for, my spirituality. And in these psychedelics, you know, n not one person can stand up and, and, and to me and look me in the eye and tell me that they're connected or they can preach anything to me about spirituality. Not one of them. But she can. She knows what she's talking about. She's an indigenous woman, and she was actually just telling me the truth. And I never had anyone care before, you know. So, um. We we do work by referral, but there's ways to reach out to people. You know, there is nothing. I, I, I couldn't find anything on them, but I, f I found them. You know, and as soon as I made contact, I came out here as soon as possible. I didn't even really let them know. I just drove out, um, and I I didn't know what to expect. You know, I knew I knew that they're bikers and been around, you know, some pretty rough people. So I didn't I didn't know if I was going to be shot or if I was going to have to camp outside or I didn't know if there's going to be people here preaching to Jesus. I didn't know what to expect, you know. And um, I get out here and uh, I, I, I see Larry and then I see this little Indian woman coming out of a, a thing. I didn't I'd never seen a sweat lodge. <laughs> so Mary's coming out of the sweat lodge and uh, 
I, you know, she just had a smile on her face and she's happy to see me. And she's like, you came. And I, I you know, I, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to be, um, I didn't think people were going to be happy to see me or anything. And, you know, that's where it started. You know, a lot of it's real personal for me and I don't, I don't want to put all my personal stuff out there, but that's, that's how I, uh, got involved. How did the first experiences, uh, leave their impression on you? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Um, well, first, you know, before I even dove into any of the uh, psychedelics or anything, you know, I just met with Mary and, and Larry, and they're just kind of, I hung out with them for a couple of days. You know, I just got out here, and uh, they, I smoke cannabis a lot, a lot, <laughs> and uh, they do too, which is great. So, you know, we're just smoking weed, and they're just kind of wondering what my intent was, you know, my background, and, you know, Mary just started kind of teaching me right away, um, uh, started doing some sweats. You know, I was all, I'm, I'm just like a little kid, you know, I'm all excited about learning about this stuff and getting back out to nature and everything and um, just started talking with her and sweat for the first time and all that. So before I even did anything, I I knew how to pray and I knew how to go into this experience in just a couple of days, you know, it really helped a lot. So the first thing I did was the uh, San Pedro cactus, which is the male version you got the peyote, which is the female, and then the San Pedro. And uh, Mary administers uh, 90 grams, which apparently is a lot. <laughs> I, wow. I, I didn't even pay attention to how much it was. I thought I was only taking 20, but just found out the other day. It's, it's 90 grams of San Pedro. And so that's another thing. You know, there's there's no bullshit in here. You're, you're going to get there all the way the first time and go from there. You know, so... It, she uh, gave me 90 grams of San Pedro, and uh, what I did, though, is um, I had it all set up. Uh, th- I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning, got my fire going, and, you know, was going to have a good, get the medicine in early, and then sweat, and then start the day. You know, just naturally coming to this stuff, but Mary was just, like, so happy that that's how I was naturally going to do it. And so, um, took uh, the San Pedro, and then I was, like, uh, about an hour later, um, like that's not enough you know looking at mary and she's looking at me cross-eyed and i'm just like no i i feel fine like i'm not gonna throw up i'm fine she gave me a whole nother 90 grams drank it all <laughs> wow and, uh, and and then uh went went to the sweat started sweating for a little bit and i was like mary i'm gonna, I'm gonna throw up <laughs> and uh you know went out and got it all out and there's you know i know they're coming out with new studies and everything and we're understanding gut health and probiotics and all this stuff and i'm telling you you know get in your gut health get your gut out i mean that's the san pedro really it's sticky it's sticky stuff and i puked everything out um it came out my pores the sweat you know cleared all my um just mucus out everything just puke 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 real good Cause, I mean, it sucks. We dread it. We all hate puking, but guess what? We've all done it a million times, and we've all done it because we've inflicted it on ourselves most of the time. So you can get away with puking. Trust me, it's not that bad. But after, I went right into the sweat, and it all came out. You know, right into the sweat lodge, right where you're praying. You, you know, and this is how it's described to me by Mary. The, the sweat lodge, it, it is the womb. You're, you're taking you into the womb. The fire is connected to the, the umbilical cord going into the womb. And when you're in there, you really do feel you're in the womb 
you have the rocks in front of you, you can you can speak directly to the creator right there. And so my first time on San Pedro, the sweat coming out of me, all of it coming out of me. And this is on Veterans Day, by the way. I didn't plan it. And it ended up being on Veterans Day, my first day. Yeah. And it's just all coming out of me. And, and you know, no one's ever, I've been to the, all the VA treatment and all this stuff. And no one's ever talked to me about PTSD in an indigenous way that all these Indian warriors, they've dealt with PTSD and all this their whole life. You know, and they know how to, how, how to heal this and so yeah my first time and just it just all started coming out the san pedro is uh really strong especially as much as i drank <laughs> and uh but instantly right then was when i was feeling good after the puke and then bam it just started and uh i didn't i didn't want to get out of that sweat lodge but uh after after uh you know my sweat was over um, took a good shower and went out into the wilderness and holy shit that's another humbling thing we're you know we're the, we're the wild west out here but we're really on you know we have a wilderness forest and it's it's the wild we got cougars we got bobcats um we got elk we got uh mule deer the whole nine and it's it's not just like a rare sighting they're everywhere everywhere and so um it's uh, breakfast time in the forest and i'm walking out there on san pedro <laughs> in my pajamas <laughs> like a little white boy <laughs> and uh yeah i get out to the, <laughs> the forest i don't know nothing about the forest you know it's my first time meeting mary and i thought i knew how to walk in the forest and you know typically it's me walking around with a twinkie in my hand you know and you realize real quick i was lunch or breakfast out there and uh i get out there and so this is not a good lesson for people to know um your spirit walk I I I I put two and two together in my mind. Spirit walk. I I thought you're supposed to walk. <laughs> you know, so I took I took the cactus and I went for my walk. <laughs> me man, me went for walk. Yeah, it doesn't work. You're not that's not what it means. It means you lie down and your spirit walks out of your body. So, <laughs> I tried to walk and I'm trying to walk to the forest and I just had to lie down and I just collapsed down and I felt great when I got on the ground, and uh, then I just started hearing all the wildlife everywhere, it, and the foxes especially. They're just running around, and you know it's it, it's a humbling experience when you're when you're that in that state, and your first time back out in the wilderness, and you've been searching. It you're you're there, you're finally there, and guess what? You're a little bitch. You're a little bitch. And you need you need to not be a little bitch anymore. That's what I get out of this. You know what I mean? I'm working on this stuff. So I go out in the forest now and I feel good. But this experience was very humbling for me, you know, and, and to recognize all that. And I came back and, you know, you tell Barry, I was like, I'm a little girl out there. What the hell? <laughs> you know? So, uh, you know, there's a lot more to it, but just the initial part of it. And, and that's, that's the gist of it, too. You're not going to have anyone hanging over you telling you what to do or whatever you know even the sweat lodge you know i i I jumped in all this stuff on my own accord and that's what mary would let you do you know that's what this is all about so she's she's like hey if you want to take the cactus and i'll just leave you out in the wilderness see ya <laughs> you know so, so and that's a good thing to know you know you really come to this all um it's one-on-one with the creator you know perfect thank you so much for sharing yeah that's beautiful <laughs> Here's one book for me for the recommended reading list. 
It's called Black Elk Speaks. I suspect it's probably the only book written in the last century that might go down in history as one of the world's great holy books. It's from 1932 when an American poet named John Niehart transcribed the story of the Lakota medicine man Black Elk. At age 13, Black Elk had also been part of the Battle of the Little Bighorn, and in 1890 he survived the Massacre of Wounded Knee. Thinking about Black Elk Speaks made me reach out to Mary and see if she had anything recommended for people for diving deeper. And here's her response. She says, The best thing to help people understand is hearing Hoon Her Too. Those songs are as old as the Four Winds, the ancestor song taught to us by the Altai Mountain. My Hunka family from the Black Hills is Crazy Horse's cousin, Frank Fool's Crow. His writings were the aftermath of his life. He lived those things and chose to write them down at the end. I often feel bad that I was so young and green when I had the years with Frank. I was riding a white Harley with flames and had a chip on my shoulder the size of South Dakota. Before he passed away, we talked about my work for the future. I did say I would do it. I just didn't say when. He smiled and said... By the letter of the law, you'll give them hell, right? So, she says, Frank Fool's Crow and Luther Standing Bear's books are a real good reference. By the way, for all you bibliomancers out there, if you're interested in Luther Standing Bear's works, his books have recently been reissued by Bison Books in some really lovely editions. And so we'll put the titles of all these books and the links to music in the show notes at the end. Thanks again for listening to Symposia on the Psychedelic Salon 2.0. Do us a favor. Go to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a rating or review. Tell your friends. That's how you can really help us out. Thanks to Matt Payne who engineered the sound, Joey Witt for the intro music, California Smile for the outro music, and Brian Norman who produced the show. 